We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is crackalacking, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Pavali coming at you without my certified fantabulous co-host Grant Hughes, but I am super excited and grateful to once again be joined by Jason Pat, the managing editor for Clutch Points. He's also the co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast, the podcast about the Chicago Bulls. Follow him on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. J-A-Y, that is spelled. You will find a link to his podcast in our podcast and YouTube description as well. So go there and subscribe. This is year three of Jason and I talking about the Chicago Bulls. But first, I have to ask, Jason, how the heck are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, it's obviously a kind of a dead time in the NBA season. We got or off season, I guess. We obviously had the, the FIBA World Cup, but Bulls weren't that involved. I guess Vooch Vooch was playing there, and uh, Carly Carly Jones was killing it for South Sudan. So uh, cool stuff for him. But otherwise, yeah, I'm just. Uh, I guess I'm getting excited for the season. Uh, if you can say that about the Bulls after everything that's gone on lately, but. Uh, I am excited. I mean, we got like a month to month or so till training camp. I am looking forward to it again because this part of the year is truly brutal. So looking forward to uh, actual games starting again pretty soon here. So how does it work? Will they retire Daniel Tice's jersey number now that he's a FIBA world champ and used to play for Chicago? Or is yeah, that- Bulls legend Daniel Daniel Tice destroying Team USA. Uh, they really should. Tice was he was he was solid for the Bulls in like the twenty games he played for them. Uh, Kudos to him for just destroying the embarrassing Team USA front line. Oh, yeah, man. The Jaron Jackson Jr. commentary went off the rails. <laughs> My God. Yes, it did. <laughs> I, I will say, I've said this to our listeners, I can't bring myself to care. About, I'm just so, like, I guess, overstimulated yeah, by the NBA coverage that I have to do that just, like, I can't bring myself to muster strong feelings about yeah. what happens during Same. the <laughs> I made some uh, jokes, made some fun of them for a little bit, but I mean, I wasn't watching like that. that Noah Lyles kind of- was 100% popping champagne. That was absolutely <laughs> yeah. happening. Uh, 
the Chicago Bulls, though, I think yes. they had an interesting offseason in the sense that it wasn't an interesting offseason. And I think most of the discourse has kind of lampooned them for not blowing it up and starting over. So when you look at what happened to this offseason, do you think that they actually missed an opportunity to lean in to a rebuild or do they deserve to be commended for not doing anything that's actively bad for the <laughs> franchise? So like it is such a weird spot with the bulls because especially with the Lonzo stuff going on and he's going to miss another season because whatever they first put this team together with Lonzo in place a couple summers ago and like they were good for uh, about 60 games or so. And like they were competitive, they were on top of the East and then he got hurt and the last quarter of the year fell apart. And then last year was just aggressively mediocre and pretty miserable to watch. And now, and they have just haven't done much. Like they haven't changed the roster much. And this off season, they make some small moves. Like I like all the moves they made this offseason were like pretty good and like defensible. Don't love the Vooch contract. Three years, 60 full guaranteed. Like Vooch is still pretty good. Like I'm not going to like, like I don't want to scapegoat Vooch, but like three years, 60 is a bit much for a, whatever, 33 year old center who uh, is still good and good productive player. But like, is he that good? Is he when he's 35? Like, uh, is that going to be a good deal given where the team is at right now? skeptical but whatever it's not like it's a damaging like horrific contract it's probably fine i don't love it but whatever but like it is the, better uh, than the three years and 80 million i thought it was initially reported for <laughs> is what i thought they signed him to so three years 60 just looks like a steal if you frame it that way <laughs> yeah. three years 80 would have been real rough but uh yeah so like that was finally like, co- the kobe white extension perfectly perfectly fine like kobe pr- played pretty well towards the end of the year uh, so like that's good. The IO thing was maybe a bit much for him, given he kind of regressed last season. But again, like three years, 21 million thought might he might be back on the qualifying offer and then maybe hits free agency again. But three years, 21 million, probably a lot there. But again, is that going to be super damaging? Probably not. And then like the Javon Carter move was great. Tory yeah. Craig, solid, solid signing. Like those are two guys. I think like a lot of Bulls fans were kind of like looking at given what they needed. They need more three point shooting. Uh Tory Craig gives him a little more size on the wing, some defense, and he's just coming off a career high three point shooting. So, like, those moves, like, all defensible in terms of, like, did they miss the opportunity to blow it up? I mean, I think you can argue that they certainly did and that they could have if they really wanted to. Um, but it does not seem like they are have an appetite for a rebuild. Um, you could argue they should have, could have done it before the deadline, like DeMar. You could have traded DeMar before the last deadline. Uh, Zach, and I know we'll talk more about this in a bit, like, Zach. I th- 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 there were trade rumors this offseason that doesn't seem like anything got close. They're asking for a lot, rightfully, and it just doesn't seem like the market is there for him right now. And like the Vooch stuff, like I think you could have looked into ma- maybe moving a couple of these guys, maybe they'll like Vooch and tomorrow, the older guys, maybe try to go with like Zach and some younger players and see kind of where that goes. Maybe you do like a stealth tank because uh, like Zach, Zach is really good. And again, we'll talk about Zach more later but like he's never really like he can't really like lead a team to a lot of wins so like if you just kind of go like that route maybe it could have been entertainingly bad and maybe gotten a high draft pick uh but they didn't and it seems like clearly the goal the fran the goal of this franchise is to stay competitive enough put butts in the seats maybe make the playoffs and then maybe get lucky with the superstar like asking out and wanting to come here although that like never works uh maybe you're able to trade for a guy but they don't have many trade assets uh, I don't know well, which site was it the other day that had said the Bulls had the worst trade assets in the NBA. They might have been hoop site, but I can't remember. But oh, wow. uh, I know like there's been like some stuff out there. There was like that with the trade assets. Someone did a ranking of like the 
all like the GMs and like AK was like third worst out of the, out of like any experienced GMs. So, like it's not a great spot to be right now. You could, I think you can argue that you could commend them for try, not just like giving going the. I think it's easy to decide. All right, we're gonna blow it up. We're just gonna trade everybody and then build over. And then obviously the hard part is actually building it back up. Not just going the straight tank route and trying to put a decent product on the court. Of course, the problem is last season they were just extremely mid. Can't even make the play in despite the alleged talent on their roster, which was just really disappointing. And now plus the defense from DR DeRozan too. Let's not forget about her. Yes, of course. Yes, the reason they won the first play-in game was because of DR DeRozan. They were getting smoked until that uh, her and Zach Levine kind of turned the tide there. But yeah, so like. They're just in a weird spot where they have some pretty good players, but just like it has not come together. And the Lonzo thing just totally ruined it. They sunk so much capital draft capital into putting this core together. Um, they're still out like the Spurs pick uh, that they got DeMar for. Uh, so, and just, yeah, there's their asset base. This is not that great. Like young player wise, like they have some decent young players, but no like real blue chippers at this point. Uh, whatever you think of Patrick Williams, like, uh, like he's a nice, nice young player, but again, he's not really like a blue chip guy right now, even though he was the number four pick. I mean, he's going into year four now. So like a lot to prove there. So like, they're just kind of in this weird spot and like they're figuring, let's try to be competitive. Maybe that'll be enough. Uh, maybe they'll be better this year and maybe they can use that as a stepping point to go forward. And maybe they get a super, maybe Gian- Giannis is talking about maybe leaving the Bucks. Not really. He's obviously not. He's just kind of putting pressure on them to be good. But maybe they think they're going to get snag Giannis in the next couple of years. And he, he's just going to come down the highway a couple hours to Chicago. But uh, obviously, should not be counting on any of that. So, so, yeah. So, we'll see. It's kind of a weird spot to be in. I do think the team should be oak. I think they should be better than they were last year. Uh, but you never know with the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I've tried to get out of the business of criticizing teams for what they don't do necessarily just because it diverges from what I would do. Yeah. In this case, however, I feel like they've leaned too much on like sort of the look at what we were with Lonzo yeah. and Lonzo's just like, you can't factor him in right. anymore. It's, it's sad. It sucks, but you can't factor him in. And it does feel like the two things that stand out to me is it does feel like they miss an opportunity just because no one else like really tried to tear it down. Yeah. And when you look at the trade market right now where nothing's happening with Dame or James Harden or Siakam, like if you had DeRozan or Levine on there, those are real like gets that teams would give you things for. And so I, and Vooch was already a free agent. You could have moved on from him. You had some other free agents, right? It felt like a natural pivot point. However, if they didn't want to do that, that's fine. They didn't make a single bad contract. The Vooch deal might be a little rich. The con the, the salary cap is going up. Worst yeah. case scenario, that deal's fine this year. You have some nice matching fodder over the next couple of years in trades. What really gets me is like they're going to duck the tax again. I think Spotrack <laughs> has them like 300000 into it. Yes. And if we set the over-under on like, you know, are they going to use the um, disabled player exception that they got for Alonzo Ball? And it's just, no, they could. Like, I think there'll be teams that'd be willing to send someone into that, yeah. but they won't. Yeah, I mean they have that. Like, they obviously have the hard cap, so like they, but they still have that. They still have like half their mid level. They still have their biannual. Of course, again, they can't use all that because they do have the hard cap for using part of their mid level on Javon Carter. Uh, but still, there's they have like ten nine to ten million of wiggle room if they were actually willing to go into the tax and like use it for whatever. Yeah, a trade for the DP. Again, they still have that part of that mid level. Uh, again, there's now there's really not many guys left on the board, but. Uh, but yeah, they basically did like the cheapest thing they could possibly do uh, with these contracts. 
to basically, yeah, they were basically right at the tax line. And again, it okay. doesn't matter uh, where they are at now. They just got to get under by the end of the year. And they and will. You would assume that that's going to be the case, <laughs> given just how close they are, that you could dump some type of salary super easily at, uh, down the road and probably get under. So, uh, yeah, the big thing, just, yeah, you, you made the point about just like the, they talk themselves into the belief about like the team with Alonzo and you can't believe in that. And but the, they, then the problem with that is that they just like haven't done that much. Like they finally made a few additions here, but they just like haven't done enough to the complement and supplement the talent they have over the last couple of years. They made, they had that big off season and then it was like three transaction periods of like nothing, like no trade. The two was a, when they were good two seasons ago, their trade deadline move was signing Tristan Thompson off the waiver wire, like nothing. And then like the off season, the next off season after that, it was Andre Drummond. that year, right? That was what they used that? to get him to. Didn't they use they to, used buy to buy annual? annual. Yes, Thompson? they did. They yeah, sure did. Right. Yeah. And then like last off season was Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic, which like Dragic was good for like a month. And then he ended up leaving. Drummond was fine. Drummond's a fine backup center. Totally fine move. But just like, just like the bare minimum additions. So it's like they 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 seem to like believe in this core, but they just have not like done anything to like make it better. And like they're just banking on continuity continuity and like their young guys getting better, but that hasn't happened to the degree that is needed. Again, the what the, the Carter and T- Craig moves are solid. Those are strong, solid, yeah, just sure. like good contracts. These are C- Carter was awesome last year for the Bucks. I'm I don't know what, what I'm surprised the Bucks did not try to bring him back. I'm not sure what their situation was. I feel like they could have. Really I surprised. Think was, my guess is they wanted someone who actually is a playmaker, but then they proceeded yeah. not really to add that player. Right. So that was, yeah. I thought they had an overall good off season, but I'm sure they just didn't want to pay the the tax, like the implications right. of bringing him back. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. So, so like, solid moves in a vacuum. And like, again, I think they should improve the team. Like, I also do think they're, ba- they, I think they do think like they went, whatever they went 14 and nine with Patrick Beverly. They love talking about how good they were uh, in the part of the season, NBA season that does not matter after the all-star <laughs> break. They were, we were 14 and nine with, after signing Patrick Beverly. And I think they probably think, well, you know, like Javon Carter's can be an even better version of Patrick Beverly. Tory Craig will help us too. And like, we'll like t- take that and then we'll just be even better on that. They could be really good. Who knows? Maybe they will be, maybe they'll surprise, but like, again, so many of those games in like March, uh, fe- late February, March, April, it's like, just does not matter. You just can't, you can't put much stock into it, but I think they might, uh, and they think that they're going to be like pretty good because of that. So, <laughs> Una, this is not going to be an entire podcast where I crap all over the Bulls because I am fascinated. <laughs> you by feel their... free if you want to, because usually our podcast is often crapping all over the Bulls. But <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, there's a lot of criticism here, but their defense has fascinated me the past few years. Their ball pressure is absurd, even without Lonzo Ball. I think if you watch to like a lot of the stuff they can do away from the ball, and I think Patrick Williams improved a great deal there last year, especially when you're looking at when he was on the, during the times where he was on lower uses guys helping off the corner. Like I felt like he was really disruptive. Is there like any other special secret sauce that goes into why their defense is just like they, they, you look at their personnel and it's no, this doesn't necessarily make sense. And like, they not only do they force turnovers, but they do it without fouling a ton. Like what, is there something about this defense that flies under the radars to why it's so good? Is it, and also is it sustainable if you scale ahead to this season? It's like, well, maybe Caruso needs to play more than 23 minutes a game on average. Like, can, can we sustain this? So like, I thought all year, the defense was just like a total smoke and mirrors. And like, there were times where I feel like we're like, it, when it really mattered, it kind of was. And I was also tracking throughout the year. There was a stretch during the season where teams were just could not make three pointers against them. They were giving up a lot of good looks from three and teams. Just, they were, they were like, under, like, I think holding teams like 20, 
in the 20, mid to like high 20 percentage. And like, that's a lot of luck shooting luck uh, because like whatever, I know you could close out on guys, but a lot of, I know a lot of three point shooting like variants, like it's just straight up luck. And there was a stretch there but where it was, but like, yeah, they season, had I think they opponents were... and sorry to interrupt. They were shooting like yeah. for the season, ended up shooting 35% on corner threes, which is the lowest mark in the league. And it's like, yeah. right, like the Bulls weren't like forcing like the worst corner three point attempts in the league right. or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I think there was some shooting variance luck there. But what's still like over a full season, you still end up with a top 10 defense. You're obviously doing something right. You mentioned the point of attack stuff, and I think a lot of it starts there. I mean, you, you have Vooch as your center, you know, Vooch is not your traditional. He's not going to be protecting the rim, blocking a ton of shots. Uh, he's decent enough positionally. He usually knows where to be, uh, that he can be at least okay. He's got pretty quick hands and all that. So, like, yeah, good rebounder, great, too. Yeah, good helped. rebounder. Ending possession. The Bulls are a good defensive rebounding team, like, I, I think, for the most part, at least with Vooch out there for sure. And, like, uh, so, like, selling out on getting defensive rebounds, I don't, they weren't very good in transition. So, I think, like, they hurt their offense, I think, by kind of selling out on defense sometimes. I think that was pro- seemed like part, part of their strategy. Uh, and they also didn't get many offensive rebounds, which also hurt their offense. Not that that matters much. But defensively, you got Vooch, you have Zach and DeMar. Like, you think your top three guys, those three guys playing so many minutes together that you're not going to be able to put together a top 10 defense. But you play Alex Caruso a lot of minutes, uh, and he is just ridiculous. You talk about do they need to play him more. I don't know if they really can. I just think the way he plays... He just gets hurt naturally just because he plays so hard and he's always all over the place. Um, but I mean, and Patrick Beverly, I make fun of Patrick Beverly, uh, but like he's still a pretty good defender, at least at the point of attack, being just a menace and annoying player there. Um, Kobe White got better. I mean, again, you bring in Carter and. and Basun was still Greg useful there too. I know he like didn't take a step offensively. Yeah, he's you're right. Like, yeah, Io's like, like, Io at the point of attack. Like Trey, he's given Trey Young like a lot of problems in the past. And then, yeah, you mentioned Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams has gotten better. Uh, he can guard bigger guys. He's not the greatest at small guarding smaller guys. He's just not that quick. But like, because uh, I know they've tried him on like he like Devin Booker. Devin Booker roasts everybody. But like, there have been some rough. They've, they've tried him on like Booker and it just like, does not go well. But like, so many guards smaller games guys usually not great. But yeah. Pat has gotten a lot better defensively. So like, ha- like if you're starting, whatever they were starting Beverly and like Pat at the end of the season, and like, they were pretty good there. And I mean, you play Caruso a lot of minutes. I was pretty good there. And that's what they did with Lonzo. Their idea was if we have whatever, just two guys or a couple guys, or even one guy just hammering the point of attack and just like disrupting there, forcing the turnovers that that will cover for the lack of like whatever Zach and Damar and Vooch behind them. And it has kind of worked like them. I and they were a, again a top 10 defense. They forced turnovers. Uh, and that, and that kind of held them up a bit because their offense sucks. And so it was terrible last season. It's so funny. Just like you think of a team again with those, with Vooch, Damar and Zach, like, Oh, we're going to be like a really good offensive team. Maybe not the best defensively. And it's just the, that was the complete opposite last season. They were a top 10 defense and a bottom 10 offense, which is just kind of crazy. So sustainable going into this season i would expect i guess maybe a little regression but again they added a few good decent defensive pieces pat continues to get better uh i don't think they're gonna be like a all of a sudden fall apart to like a terrible defensive team we'll see like with vooch if he loses a step with damar mm-hmm. the same way with zach i mean zach's i don't think zach's like as, as bad of a defender as like people used to think he was or as he used to be he's gotten at least better enough where he's like usually pretty decent off ball can still be kind of spacey he just uh, has those moments ways. Yeah. Where like those the like the terrible moments just stand out. I yeah, think it's right. Exactly. But like overall he's fine. So like so yeah, like 
like is it would I expect them to finish in the top ten again? No, but like again, I think they could probably finish top half. And if they did finish top ten, I guess it wouldn't totally shock me again. Uh, so, so yeah. Is there, and you mentioned like their top three players, you have those three guys on the floor last year and your offense ranks in like the 40th percentile, but you end up in like, you're one of the more efficient half court offenses during those minutes. So you have, I think they ended up ninth in half court efficiency overall. I can't remember exactly. Is there low hanging fruit to get them to actually be a, a better offensive team than they were last season with the personnel that they have. Is it the things that stand out to me? And so uh, like a best way it might be frame it this way to you is can they up their three point volume reasonably, or can they do like pretend like they're going <laughs> to push the ball? Like they force a lot of turnovers and they're one of the slowest teams at getting right. into their offense after forcing turnovers. It's the same, same thing for defensive rebounds. I know that this isn't a team that's going to live in transition. Just like you have Vooch and you have DeMar DeRozan, but like, you have a bunch of other guys that could, and could you at least maybe just I, like, I know deliberate methodical sets are just DeMar DeRozan's calling card right. and that's how he's going to really right. carve you up. But your offensive success has also been, it feels like to me predicated on like what might be unsustainably like really ridiculous shot making and decision making from DeMar DeRozan to this yeah. point, who's now 34. And so can you reasonably with this personnel, change enough with how you play on offense that you're demonstratively better or is there not a lot of hope there for that i mean the three-point rate is just the obvious one and that's why they went and signed javon carter again he's not like a high high volume guy but i mean just a guy who will be willing if he can get up five to six threes a game and if he hits 40 some percent again huge they need to get patrick williams three-point volume up as well he 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 improved it last season Still not high. I think he was still under four attempts per game. He might have been like three point something. I can't he remember. Exactly. I'd, I'd love to know what he would be if he didn't like dribble out of three, right. to like those like Kawhi exactly. spin turns or whatever yeah. he likes to do. Like, I know like a lot of people would love to see Pat just like whatever become get more on ball reps, blah, blah, blah. But on this, and I know we're gonna, we'll probably talk more about Pat later in general, but like on this team with the guys they have, like he just needs to be bombing threes. He sh- he's been shooting over 40%. If you're going to be shooting that well from threes, you need to get more up when you get the opportunities. Take six a game. Again, like him and Carter, it'd be great if they could take five or six per game. And if they still hit it 40%, that's that's amazing. That's awesome. Craig, again, not a super high volume guy, but he's a guy who should be willing to shoot. I mean, Craig takes the spot of guys like, I mean, like Derek Jones Jr. and like Javante Green, energy guys. I mean, I love in a vacuum, kind of like what those guys brought to the table, but they just had so many guys in recent years who just would, pass up open threes just they would not take threes just not high rate three-point guys and you just can't have that many of the same guys on the team like uh there's like the roster construction was just so bad with so many of these defense first energy players who can't shoot threes and like it's fine to have like one or two but when you have like four or five of those guys getting minutes it just you, you end up with the worst three-point rate in the league several years in a row and even though you have damar zach and vooch put you look at their individual numbers and like their numbers all their individual seasons looked really good last season, like efficiency wise. I mean, Vooch had like a really good efficiency season. Zach was awesome after the all-star break and overall good season. Tomorrow wasn't quite as good as he was two years ago, but he was still really good. But then you look at like they're them three playing together and their offensive rating is mid as hell. It's just not good because uh, they just don't take enough threes and the guys around them don't take enough threes. And so that's the big one. I, I, I'm curious if tomorrow will ever like he, I feel like he's taking a few more, than he used to in the last couple of years. I mean, he's, we know he's never been a big three-point shooter. But like, would DeMar be willing to even get up to three a game? Like, I don't know. He's he's just been so long. Just the mid-range maven, and he's awesome at it. 
But again, it would just be nice to even turn one or two of those into maybe like an open corner three or something. Um, so yeah, like the three point rate is huge. They they don't ever like crash the offensive glass. I think I think they Tory sell Craig out will do the, it. What's that? Tory Craig will do it. Yeah. Yeah, and like I mean, like Julian Phillips who probably won't play, but like he gets offensive rebounds. Uh, but like I think they sell out to help their defense not get offensive rebounds, and there's some value in that, of course. We, their defense was good, uh, but they don't really get many extra opportunities on offense. Uh, so like that hurts. And the transition stuff you mentioned, like losing Lonzo hurt there for sure because yeah, I believe yeah. when Lonzo was there, like I mean, you know, he's always looking ahead, the, the long passes ahead, and you have guys like so you have some athletes. I mean, Zach Levine should be a guy who thrives in transition. Uh, so like losing Lonzo and just like the guy who is looking to push the ball. Um, it'd be, I mean, Kobe white, you'd think it'd be a guy who can thrive in transition. I owe a little bit too. So like, yeah, like DeMar and Vooch aren't going to be running up and down the court like crazy, but you have some guys who can do it. And like, we'll see if like Dale and Terry plays Dale and Terry was terrible last. I mean, barely, barely played last year. I want to say it was terrible last year. He barely played because he wasn't ready to play. He was bad in summer league. I don't know if he's an NBA player, but like if he plays, that's what he needs to do. Like he's just got to be running around like a madman and getting out in transition and get some easy baskets because he sure as hell ain't scoring in the half court. So like, so yeah, that's the kind of thing where it would, the, the low hanging fruit's a good way to put it. Can you get some easy baskets transition up that three point rate? I'm not expecting them to come out and be like bombing 43 as a game, but they can't consistently just be under 30 and being the lowest three point rate team in the NBA. It's the same thing will happen again where these guys have solid seasons but it all comes together into an offense that just isn't any good. Would you bet very quickly against or for a DeMar DeRozan extension getting done? So Mark Eversley like mentioned that, oh, we'd love DeMar here long-term um, and that they love what he's done. I actually, I would lean towards four. I think they might try to line him up with Vooch. So like two or three years, because uh, I think they just believe in like keeping this team competitive. Like I just don't think they want to really blow it up. Um, would it surprise me if they don't give him one and kind of to see how it plays out? No, but like uh, he's just been so good. And I think like they think that the team is in a spot where they can be decent enough where they could be competitive for a few years. And then you maybe go from there. Uh, the number, I would have no idea. Like, would it be something similar to what it was? He got like three eighty one on like the last one. Like, would they give him something like that again? He probably wants more. I mean, he's had two great seasons. Like he probably thinks he should be getting a bigger one, like three hundred. So like, I, but like, I, I mean, I wouldn't really want to give him that. I personally would not do it. So like, do I think the Bulls will look into it and possibly do it? I would lean towards yes. I don't know what I would do if the numbers. If it was the same number that he got, I might consider it like three yeah. and eighty-one, three and eighty-two, just because it might give you more outs. If you decide yeah. that, like with Vooch under contract, Levine under contract, sure. if you want to make moves next summer, he doesn't just leave in free agency. You have him right. under a contract, but yeah. with his age, that number could get dicey really quickly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why, like, I mean, with his max, I think extension is like four, like 140 or 50 yeah, or no, something that. crazy <laughs> like that. And, like, you just can't give him that. Yeah. He, like, he has earned an extension very clearly. He's earned another really solid deal. It's like, I don't really want the Bulls to be the team that give it that gives it to him. Again, if the money is right, I can. I can be like, whatever, like DeMar, like I said, DeMar has earned it. He's been so good the last couple of years, better than I could ever have imagined. But just like lining up this, like this court and like paying these guys into there when DeMar is going to be 37 or 30 and Vooch is going to be 35 and they just haven't won anything. And it's like, ugh. like you said, there it could be some value there in terms of whatever, having the contracts that are to trade, 
for something, but then you do worry, like, what if it actually goes bad? Like, if the, if you give DeMar like an extension this year, but then like things go bad this year, then you're stuck with Vooch again for three years. If you have DeMar like on the books for three years, and you're just like, are we just gonna keep doing this? So like, will will they be able to trade him? At depending on what the number is, I don't know. So it is. I think it is a dice situation. I don't think I would do it in general, like unless the number just like really makes sense. So yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I have so many questions that basically just boil down to where are you at with Patrick Williams? So I'm trying to see if we can boil them down to like four rapid fire-ish sub questions. All right. The first one is what impressed you the most about his development last season? Probably. I mean, he has become much better defensively and then probably I am impressed that the three point shot has kind of held up as it's, he's still kind of in a situation where I don't really trust him shooting threes because he is, he just does not seem confident shooting them, but like he shot 40 some percent. So like, I am, I did not think that that was going to hold up on higher volume and it did. Um, so it's probably that, that, and the fact that he, like, he's a legit, like pretty solid three and D player. Uh, mm-hmm. again, like the, the problem is the other stuff and actually becoming like a big time high impact player. But in terms of the defense, yeah, it's it's gotten a lot better. It's been impressive. The three point shooting has got stayed strong with higher volume. It's just like then taking that next step after that. What are you watching most closely for? And I'm assuming it's offensive related as he goes <laughs> yeah. into to year four. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the big thing is just what the aggressiveness, consistent aggressiveness, and like it's almost cliche at this point. And it is, I do get how it's tough. And like you're a young player. 
you're playing with Demar, Zach, and Vooch, and you just like feel like you need to take the back seat. Uh, but at some point, like whatever, you're in year four now, man. Like you need to start whatever, grab the bull by the horns and like just consistently have that more aggressive mindset um, as an offensive player. And who knows about, we'll see what type of, if they give him more opportunities on the ball. I know so many fans have clamored, run more pick and rolls for him, blah, 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 blah. I mean, even, even if they don't do that, there are times where he can just be more aggressive. The three-point shooting, don't pass up three-point shots. If the guys are attacking on closeouts, drive hard to the basket and get more aggressive there. Be more aggressive attacking the offensive glass. I mentioned the Bulls just like don't, they're not great at getting extra opportunities. There are like random times where he just goes crazy on the offensive glass and like throws on a putback dunk. Would love to see more of that. You can get some dirty points that way. Like he's a pretty big dude, six seven, six eight, strong. Like you should be able to do some some of that dirty work inside, more cutting, uh, st- stuff like that. So like, it's not necessarily just like here we need to give Patrick Williams the ball and like he, people get out of the way or like run more pick and rolls. Like, that's just <laughs> not gonna just not gonna happen. But like there are ways where he can be more aggressive offensively choosing the spots, not being passive when it comes to turning down shots and getting better. Besides that, though, he also needs to get better at rebounding in general. Like I mentioned, he can occasionally be just like a sick offensive rebounder with putbacks. But you look at his overall rebounding numbers and they stink. They're not great for like what they should be. So like some of it is like whatever. He's guarding guys on the perimeter. He's not always in the best spot for rebounds. But like uh, like if you're that size in the NBA with like pretty good athleticism, like you should be grabbing more than three or four rebounds a game. You just, you just need to. So like would love to see him get better on the glass as well. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a big playmaking guy. I, just, uh, I know there was like all the stuff coming into the league. you know, he played some point guard, like in high school. Like, I just don't know if that that's ever really going to be there for him, but uh, whatever. He's just consistently like been around the same, like, like base numbers, like all three years, like nine, 10 points a game four or five rebounds a game. He'll get like a steal or a block a game and like maybe an assist or two. And that said, like, I would love to get that up to like 15 and seven, 15 and eight, uh, maybe a couple assists per game, get a couple stocks per game. Like that would be great. Uh, and just, that's just a matter of, I think just being a consistently a bit more aggressive all over the court. Um, and that would definitely help the bulls. Like just take another step forward. Because I mean, because of where they're with the, with the, with the main guys that they have, the core they have, like we know what Zach is, we know what tomorrow, we know what Vooch is. Like they don't just have that much more upward mobility on this roster. He is one of the few guys. Like if he mm. legitimately would would take a leap, that would at least make the Bulls a bit more dangerous in general. And you kind of already answered this, so I'll I'll rephrase it. But like we can't expect him to get the on ball opportunities right. that everyone's clamoring for with the way this roster is built. And so it seems like the most likely way for him to level up would be to make those quicker decisions when he's actually getting the ball where it's firing up the threes or even look, if you want to see more from him, you even kind of alluded to this. Like he needs to put more pressure on the basket. His rim frequency has declined in every season that he's been in the league. And it's like, you watch him like when he puts the ball on the floor. Yeah. He's not really comfortable finishing with both hands, but he seems comfortable dribbling with both hands. He wants to get into those baseline jumpers or we've seen him kind of go into like the, it, I don't want to compare the two, but it is like Kawhi esque the aesthetics <laughs> of like his turnaround jumper. Like if you're just catching and making quick decisions in those situations, that might be the pathway to him leveling up on the offensive end and increasing his scoring totals. It's just like make those faster yep. decisions. And 100%. yeah, I mean like, yeah, get up more threes. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, it's not the process time just isn't quite there fast enough. And the, when you have like the, the record scratches and stuff like that, it's just, it hurts and it hurts the overall offense when you have a good look and then you just you hesitate, you pass it up and then just like the defense recovers. And then you're just kind of, and then you're, you get met, end up 
left with a with a tough shot at the end of the clock or something like that. I do th- I do think there are probably still are some opportunities to get him maybe some more on ball reps if he's playing with bench units. I know they like playing like Demar with the bench, so like mm-hmm. you're not gonna like take the ball out of Demar's hands all the time to, and like have him go stand in the corner to give Patrick Williams a lot of reps. But like you can give him some. Like again, like his development is just like if this team is going to take a next step, like him being a lot better, it's going to be part of it. So like you might as well give him some chances. So like I would like to see them do at least a few more things uh with him and whatever with the pick and rolls, whether it's him handling the ball, whether it's him uh being a role man, doing more than they do that they do do that sometimes. Um just getting him more involved a bit in general. And Bill Billy Donovan, uh there's been I think a lot a decent amount of criticism that is fair about his offense and his schemes. In, I mean, going back to the Oklahoma City Thunder days, where he kind of lets the stars do his th- do the do their thing, and we've kind of seen that with the Bulls at times, where like it ends up being Demar and Zach Shaw, and that's kind of NBA, that can turn in a lot of NBA teams in general. The stars, especially at the end of games, they're gonna get the ball, they're gonna ISO, and like Zach and Demar are really good ISO players. You mentioned like half court offense, and like you look at like ISO like efficiency, like those guys are both really good, but like. For an overall offense to succeed, they have to d- diversify a bit more to get more three pointers up, as we kind of talked about earlier. So, like, it'd be nice to add a bit more wrinkles, a little more diversity in their offense, and Patrick Williams would definitely, ideally, play a big part of that. I have heard nothing about an extension for him. Would you expect him to get one? And what's like a if you're the front office, like what's a number that you would be comfortable giving him right now? Yeah, there really has been like nothing out there about it. I feel like I would be surprised if he gets one, just because like I think he probably thinks that he could have like a big season and like turn that into like a much bigger deal than the bulls are willing to give him right now. I remember Keith Smith, when he did like an article at Sparrick or whatever. And I think it was like predicting like the, whatever the rookie year extensions, he had five years, hundred million because now with those 50 years, you can, ha- it doesn't have to be a max. It's not that mm-hmm. designated rookie extension anymore. And like, and me on our, on the podcast, cash considerations, me and my host Ricky O'Donnell, we talked about that number. And like, I think I'd be fine with that like five years, 120 million a year with the cap going up for like a young player is still at 21, 22, who is pretty good. Like that's fine. Like 20 million a year for a guy who can play three and D for you like, for the next like, like 13, throughout his prime percent of the cap. Yeah. That's Feels like, like fine. I'd be totally, I'd be totally fine with something like that. I feel like he think I don't know if the bulls are actually offering something like that. Again, there's been like no reporting about right. And extension talks there. Like, and I just don't think, I don't know if he'd be willing to take it. Maybe he would just to get that, to get that guaranteed money for five years. Uh, but I feel like he thinks probably thinks like, and his agent's probably like, dude, if you come out and have like a really good season, help this team turn it around, you're going to get maybe five, like 140, 150. Like if he has like a legit breakout season. So I feel like that it just seems like it's a hard, uh, I just don't know if they're going to like find a match there uh, between the, like what they're looking for right now. So I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised if he got one. He would be a player. I know we didn't see it this year in restricted free agency, but like he would be a player that I would think that teams would tie up their cap space for, even if he's basically the same player this season to be like, well, there's untapped yeah, mystery right. box potential here. Yep. Yeah. And he's still just so young. I mean, when he came into the, when the bulls drafted him, I think he was like the first or like maybe the second youngest guy in the draft. Uh, again, I think he's 21, 22. So, so he's still, you're, yeah, you're, you'd be getting him for the next whatever into his pro- not even into his prime yet. Basically, is up until his prime years on this next contract. So like, yeah, and if like you, they could look at the Bulls and be like, you know, this team was a mess. Uh, he just didn't get enough opportunity. We can use, we can untap that potential, or to, we could tap into that untapped potential and maybe find that player who becomes like an All Star guy. So I could absolutely see teams talking themselves into that, uh, just because of the kind of the situation he's been in. 
Who has a bigger role next year, in your opinion, Io Desunmu or Kobe White? I would guess Kobe, which is kind of funny, because like at the end of not this past two year seasons ago, when Io was a rookie and he was kind of like making waves as a rookie, uh, and it looked like Io was just kind of going to pass Kobe by as like the one of the main guards off the bench. Um, but now, like Kobe got a lot better last season, towards the end of last season. You look at his numbers, like they weren't, they don't look anything special. And like he's still pretty streaky as a shooter, but like he just like tightened a lot of things up as a player overall, just like made him better just as a role player. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be anything that special, but like as a bench guard, was I just had a really solid end of the season. Io again regressed, his shooting regressed. Talk about record scratches. Io record scratches way too much, and it's painful to watch <laughs> sometimes. Uh, and like Io's still a really strong defensive player, point of attack stuff, and like pretty good there. It just offensively, uh, just not quite there. And I mean, the Bulls just need more, they, they need three point shooting in the, on their team. So, like, uh, Kobe was one of the few, like, there was I was not sure if like Kobe was going to stick around, but what well, kind of how he finished the year last year. He's kind of been in trade rumors for a while. Nothing ever came close. But I, I guess I was kind of out on Kobe a couple of years ago. Kind of, I wouldn't say like I'm super back in, but I think he's pretty good. The, the extension he got is like I think it's three years, like up to forty million with inse- uh, with yeah. unlikely incentives in there. So it's like I think base twelve million a year, three thirty six, totally fine for a pretty solid bench guard who's also still very young who gets up threes again. He's still streaky. I would love to get him in those high thirties percentage wise from threes. He still kind of goes has those games where he can be on fire and then the next like three games he goes like one for 15 uh but still he's he's done enough though with the rest of his game that he's not like a total liability anymore if he's shooting one of eight from three he can he's tightened the hand a little bit like he can be pretty good in transition uh, if he wants to be he's fast we know um uh, the passing's gotten a little better the defense has gotten a little better so like, he's turned himself into a pretty solid like all-around bench guard uh, and just i mean maybe io turns things around but like at, at least definitely to start the year. Kobe's definitely ahead of him in the rotation for sure. I think I'd agree with you. Mostly I love IO. Like I'm still just a really big believer in him because of how well he can guard up. But when you look at a team that needs three point volume, yeah. like, Hey, we need to go with the guy right. who shot 39% on yeah. catch and shoot. And I would love IO. I mean, I'm an Illinois guy. So like I've been watching IO for years. Uh, I have an IO Illinois Jersey. So like I, already, I have an IO Bulls Jersey too, but like I would nothing more than I would love to see IO bounce back, prove me wrong about this contract that he got three years, 21 million uh, and become a big part of the rotation. It was, it was tough watching at the end of last season, but I feel like he lost all confidence in his jumper and he just didn't get, and his minutes dwindled a bit. So like, I would love to see him turn around. I know he's a hard worker. Again, Chicago guy went to Illinois, starred there. So I would love to see him turn things back on. Because again, the Bulls just don't have any young, young guys on their team that like have high ceilings. Not that Io and like Kobe have really high ceilings anymore, but if those guys can turn around and develop, like that does help the Bulls chances of at least being a team that could maybe be somewhat interesting in the East. I did some light investigating into Julian Phillips specifically for this podcast. It just, it stood out to me that the Bulls gave up a 26 and 27 second rounder to get him. Um, it looks like his physical profile kind of pops when you look at his athleticism and how he can be moved around defensively. Any early impressions of just like Julian Phillips, the player, and could he just give him the, relative dearth of wing depth on this team sort of stumble into some minutes for them. So I know Mark Eversley said they're really not expecting Like He came on straight up, said it like, we're not expecting him to do much this season. You never know. Guys get hurt. Uh, guys are bad. If the season goes south, maybe he, he plays more. Um, I'm not a big like draft guy. So like, I didn't watch it much. Like a Tennessee. I know again, my co-host Ricky O'Donnell hated the pick. I know a lot of people hated the pick when I saw the pick was made. Uh, I was, first of all, I was excited that they actually traded into the draft because they had like no picks. I was like, oh, the Bulls actually made a trade. 
Uh, they traded in the draft and they take this guy. I was like, oh, who's Julian Phillips? I went and looked at his like stats. I'm like, oh, he shot 20% from three. They pick a, pick another project wing who can't shoot for shit. Thanks, guys. Uh, so like, yeah, like defensively, he seems like he's got some potential there. Like I, I didn't, I honestly did not watch summer league that closely uh, to like have like a huge impression. He, I know he had like one game where he hit a few threes, and I was like, oh, maybe this could be interesting. I'm pretty sure the rest of the games he didn't really shoot that well, but like. Offensive rebounding, maybe defense, maybe like in terms of getting to the rotation, I just don't know. Like, is he like I, you would think Dale and Terry is ahead of him? Maybe like maybe there's a battle there to get minutes. And Dale and Terry was just so rough. He, I mean, he the fact that he could not get on the court last season for this team. I know the Bulls are actually pretty healthy injury wise, but like you pick a guy number eighteen and you're like mid all season and you're and he you get. I mean, I don't even. He might have played a hundred minutes. I think he was. He might have been low. Christian Browns. It was like him and Johnny defender. Davis were like the lowest. Uh, Johnny Davis minutes, like first on picks last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, was yeah, the bulls that could, I think right behind him, it was like for, it was right before him. It was Tari, which would have been like an awesome pick for them right after him. Yeah. It was like Christian Brown, like Walker, Walker Kessler. And there's Dale and Terry who can't get on the court for this mid ass team. Uh, and then like in summer league, he was also, like I said, I didn't like, wasn't like watching every minute of summer league, but like from what I did see and like what I know what other people saw, like it was just, and his stat, just his basic stats he's just a really rough offensive player. Like you just can't expect him to do much in the half court. And like, again, energy guy defensive again, like him and Dalen and Julian Phillips just kind of seem very similar to sort of energy guys can't really shoot the ball. Uh, maybe they can help defensively and transition stuff like that. So like maybe though, again, maybe those guys battle it out to see, like, I don't know if they'll really be in the rotation, but like maybe the next guy in the rotation, if there is an injury or something like that. So I, I have no expectations for Julian Phillips this year. If he surprises, great is it a concern that this team really doesn't like even i consider tory craig and patrick williams like maybe not wings but like combo forwards and patrick williams is probably a wing but like is just the lack of wings an actual concern for this team are we getting too bogged down by position and size and it's hey look at all these yeah they're smaller but disunmu and uh alex caruso and javon carter they're gonna like probably like among the best screen navigators in the game right now like the defense is going to be fine anyway it's just they don't have a lot of wings yeah, i do wish they had like one at least one more solid wing on the team like you look at like their end of the roster is just like kind of like their top 10 is like i think fine top 10 11 maybe fine and then, but then you get to like dalen phillips and like they signed terry taylor who's a forward but like not really a wing i guess like i don't even know what you would call terry taylor i don't know I couldn't tell you that much about Terry Taylor, but like whatever. And then like Carlick Jones at the end of the roster, again, South Sedan FIBA world cup legend, Carlick Jones, but like, and also G league, <laughs> also G league MVP, Carlick Jones, but again, that's another small guard. Uh, so like I would have loved yet yeah, to have gotten a little more size on the roster, whether it was another, just like big or another, another bigger wing who that would have been. I don't really know at this point, but like, I do think it's somewhat of a concern uh, because I think the bull, I got to look at the bulls rebounding stats again, because I feel like it was generally okay. Uh, but there, I feel like there were times in certain matchups where you see, they would just get pounded and like Pat just not a good enough rebounder. Um, and like Billy, I mean, Billy loves, I feel like playing small and playing a bunch of guards together. So like, that seems like it just kind of plays right into him. But like, I do wish they had at least like one more guy who was like six, eight, six, nine, six, seven, whatever around Patrick Williams size. So it, are there any, it's the cookie cutter portion of the podcast. So everybody get excited. <laughs> These are the questions we ask on every single look at. 
are there any strengths, upsides, or weaknesses or concerns about this team that we haven't covered yet you think need to be addressed? So I want to, I do want to give a shout out to Caruso again, because I feel like I just haven't really given him his proper due. And we talked about the defense and how good it was. A lot of it honestly might just be how ridiculously good it is. I don't have like the exact advanced stats in front of me, but like there's a lot of advanced stats that show Caruso is like arguably the best defensive player in the NBA or like one of the most impactful, at least maybe at least for like guards. Uh, he's just ridiculously good. Again, can't, he can't play huge, huge minutes because he just gets hurt. It's the way he plays, but like, uh, I think Caruso almost single-handedly like helps the Bulls defense be ridiculously good. And he is just insanely good at just so much defensively, uh, whether it's the ball pressure, getting around screens, guarding guys that are bigger than him. So I just wanted to give Alex Caruso just his proper due as uh, because he I mean he made first team all defense this year, right? This past yeah, season. I think so. yeah, right? he, so, like, he did get his due, but like I don't think people realize just how good he actually is defensively. And I think it, I think it's just a big part of how good the Bulls defense was last season the last couple seasons just better being better than expected i think there's a lot of it was just alex caruso being absolutely awesome and a terror he's just really fun to watch play defense uh, i made a joke yesterday about how whatever the, lebron's recruiting all these guys all these stars to play for team usa but you know you need guys who can like whatever play a role 12th man bring it out have alex caruso be on team usa just to all the stars aren't going to want to play defense and they're going to have all these like 35 40 year olds on this team Bring an AC to just go fucking hog wild defensively to the Olympics <laughs> uh, and go win a gold medal. I've, that's not going to happen, but AC is awesome. So like, I think I just wanted to make sure to give him his due, and that's really just play up like how that strength of his defensively and how that's helped the Bulls. Otherwise, like, I mean, strength wise, like we know uh, we talked about their defense, like offensively, like I mean, it will be. I am kind of curious to see. I think how they use Vooch was a big talking point on like the Bulls broadcast. And just like, I think with some fans, it's like the Bulls don't use, use Vooch enough. They, whatever they traded so much to get him. He was a 20, like a 25 and 10 guy when they trade for him. And now he's like a 17 and 10 guy consistently, but he often disappears in games, especially late because it becomes the Zach and DeMar show. Vooch had an interesting, like he I brought that up. And he had an interview with Jake Fisher of Yahoo sports recently. Like, talking about the usage and like going down and like, again, it gets hammered on every broadcast. So like the bulls need to play through Vooch. They need to pound it inside, blah, 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 blah. And like, I think there's possibly something to it, but like, I don't want the bulls to turn into a team that just like is playing through Vooch all the time, like pounding it in the post and become like a nineties team again with like that. And like just the isolation stuff, like you're just not going to win that way. But I am curious to see if like, especially with the contract they gave him, and like, I am curious what they like prom if they promise him anything. I'm like, we're you know we're gonna get you more touches this year. This is gonna oh, happen. Man. Like, we're gonna run you through. So I'm curious to see if that's kind of something that they try to change up going forward here with this offense. Um, I don't think I necessarily think that would really fix that much. But I mean, Vooch did have like a better than I think a lot of people realize season in terms of his like efficiency, his like two point shooting. Like, oh yeah, it was around like career highs, finishing around the basket. His mid range shot was on fire. His three-point shooting was still kind of okay. Uh, it was better than he it was two take, years ago. So what like, is it about Chicago where he just comes, he takes less? He takes, he takes fewer threes. It's just 34.9% from your center is fine. Like yeah. Jack goes up to like six or seven yeah. per 36 yeah. minutes. I, mean, I think a lot, a lot of people are like, well, he shouldn't just be hanging out and shooting threes. Like, they need to get him in the post. They need to pound it in the post, play inside out. Uh, and like, I just don't know if that's really going to be the answer here. Like He probably should take another three or two per game just because they need the volume. Uh, so yeah, I am and DeMar are trying to, to occupy the same yeah. space. Right, definitely right, right. So I'm curious to see how they use him this season. Um, other weaknesses. 
like I said, I think we've kind of gone through a lot of them. Their offense sucked despite having these three alleged all-star caliber guys. And this, I mean, they had all good efficiency seasons. The three-point shooting is just a massive problem. There's certainly no hidden thing about that. They've been the lowest three-point rate team in, in the league. Uh, despite like having decent percentages, they just don't take enough. So like they just need to take more. Uh, so yeah, I don't think there's really anything else there that's like really hidden about this team. They are They've been aggressively mediocre since Lonzo Ball got hurt. And uh, for all the reasons we've kind of mentioned already. I really wish that Caruso could play more than like 1500 minutes a season. Yeah. I would also love for him to take more three point attempts. Yeah, like, just, right. We'll just go down the list of this team on this. Like is Zach Levine, the only one who takes enough threes basically. And I would love Zach to take more. Uh, I, he should take taken 10 a game. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Like go take 10, three point. And this was kind of a talking point last year. Like, because there was, I mean, there have been games where he had like a three, I think he had like 13 threes in a game a couple seasons ago or something crazy like that. Like, I think he takes around like seven or eight, which is fine. Like he's good at attacking the basket. Obviously, I don't want him to just like completely like just only jack threes and don't attack the basket. But like he should be taking almost like no mid-range shots. I mean, you, talk, you say whatever. I mean, obviously there are times for mid-range shots, but when you have DeMar there, DeMar can be Mr. <laughs> mid-range. I don't want to go like total, like whatever whatever the, the well you have Luch here, and DeMar. it makes when, sense to be yeah. like hey let's when, when Zach beat Levine, out these shot attempts his, entirely yeah, yeah his skill set he shouldn't be taking mid-range shots except for i mean i get at the end of games it's gonna happen sometimes and there's value in that when the game slows down at the end of games in the playoffs the mid-range shot can become a lot more valuable against those set defense but for the most part for this offense to get better like zach take 10 plus threes a game and then attack the basket otherwise and get to the free throw line we we don't need to take in tough mid-range shots outside of very Few situations. I feel like his. I'd have to look at his like shot distribution again, but I feel like he got a little better about that. But I know sometimes he still sometimes has that Kobe brain where I need to go get my mid range J and he takes them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so when you mentioned the Caruso threes, like he's not that great, but he could still certainly. And then it just kind of goes back to the point I made earlier about how the Bulls have so many of these guys, the, the defensive energy guys who just don't shoot through enough threes. So, like, and Caruso plays into that as well. I love Alex Caruso as. He's one of the best defensive players in the league, but he's not that good offensively uh, and can hurt you sometimes because he's afraid to shoot. Uh, and he just like isn't that great. He's okay in pick and roll. I don't like running him with that much. And like going to the basket is not going to be that great for you, but he's just such a valuable defensive player and he's awesome to watch. So yeah, more threes from like all these guys. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. If we have to narrow it down to a 10-man rotation, it feels like there are nine locks, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, Williams, Vooch, Javon Carter, Kobe White, Torrey Craig, and Andre Drummond as my nine locks right now. 
And then yeah. the 10th spot would be, is it just IO at this point? Is there another? Probably. Like, probably. Like I said, we'll see about like Dalen and Julian Phillips. But like after like, after that's like Carly Jones, uh, Terry Taylor. Uh, am I missing somebody? There's someone else. Who else is on the stupid team? Um, it will be interesting to see how the starting lineup that they go with. Um, because like they could start Caruso, they could start Carter, they could start Kobe. I kind of think they might start Carter, but oh, I'm not totally sure there. I think there could be, I mean, Caruso is probably like the best overall player out of them, but I'm not sure if they want to start him again. They might just bring, have him in that. If they, want, they could probably use, he's a better passer than Javon Carter. So to bring him right. off the bench, especially if you're not planning on, because I guess Io is probably the better passer than um, Kobe at this point, but neither of them are great. So Caruso might make sense coming off the bench. Yeah, I like, think that, that, I would, I, that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that. And I was trying to think of who else is on the Bulls roster, and I forgot that Lonzo Ball is, of course, still on this Bulls roster and holding up, <laughs> holding one of their spots, but in a complete dead weight of twenty million. So I think I named everybody. So yeah, I think that nine is a lock. I think yeah, Io is probably will get minutes for sure, and then after that. We'll see you see about injuries, but Dalen and Julian Phillips, I just don't expect to start the year in the rotation. It's like Dalen, just a, such a project, so raw still. And Phillips, I think it's going to be the same way. So I think that top 10 makes sense. I would assume Patrick Williams starts at power forward. I mean, I guess you can see maybe tour if Billy wants to go with a veteran guy, but I mean, I think you need to start Pat at, at the four and not Tory Craig. And yeah, and then I think the point guard, so that will be interesting. Was that Kobe like showed enough where I think he could at least be in a battle for the starting point guard spot this season. Like I said, I, was, okay. I don't think any of these guys, I would straight up give it to them and you'd maybe you'd try some different things out in training camp and preseason and then make a decision from there out of Caruso, Carter and Kobe. This will of course be to some extent matchup dependent, but what do you think ends up being their preferred closing five? All right. So looking at the starting lineup, like I mentioned Carter starting, I would assume you would want Caruso closing though, like almost no matter what, just because oh, yeah. I mean he's the best, arguably the best defensive guard in the league. Uh, like it's like him and Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart, basically. Uh, again, but some of it could depend on just like the matchups, how the game is going, um, because there again the Caruso's three the offense can also hurt you at times. So like, um, so like would they? I mean, and I would assume Pat's. I mean, the, the main three guys, the mid three. <laughs> Zach DeMar and Vooch are probably going to be closing most games. So then it's Pat between Pat Caruso, Kobe and, and Carter, most likely for the most part. Again, there, there could be times where if someone's riding a hot hand, you go with that or something like that. But, but then I would think it will be Pat. You're going to want him guarding some of the other team's best, whatever big wing players. And then Caruso, uh, because he's arguably the best guard defensive guard in the league. So like, but I do think again, if there if like there are situations where they really need the shooting out there, I could see it being Carter or Kobe. Uh, you could also, I mean, I could also would also not mind seeing them like downsides at times. Like Vooch is having a rough game. Uh, you put Park Vooch's ass on the bench and maybe go a bit smaller and ha- have Pat at like the five. Because uh, I mean, in general, Zach and Demar are not getting benched in close games. For Vooch sure. maybe, pro- probably not that. But like Zach and Demar, it's not gonna happen. It's just like. Zach got benched one game last year and it caused a whole ruckus. And like, I mean, in general, he's one of your best players. Like, he's a max guy. Like he's not going to be consistently sitting on the bench and crunch time. It's just not happening. So like, I think it's just gonna be a mix and match around those three of Pat Caruso, Kobe and Javon Carter. Is there a weirdo quirky wonky lineup you want to see them try? Yeah. So I guess 
I kind of mentioned they're like play Pat at the five. I might have mentioned this in the pod last year too, playing Pat at the five. I think, like, I think we both had Patrick Williams at the yeah, five. So like, our, give me some line. like, like, I don't know if you want to go like a super all like wacky defensive lineup. That's like Pat Caruso, Carter. I don't want to throw Tory Craig in there. Io, Io or Craig, and then like you get need to have at least Zach or Demar out there too. So like something like that, where you're just like super small, but just like hounding defensively with. Yeah, with with Carter, with Caruso, with Craig or Io and something like that. And I would be interested to see how that kind of lineup would work. Um, yeah, and I think that's pretty. I think that maybe it might be the most interesting. I don't think like any lineup with Vooch would ever be like super weird or interesting. And like, uh, it's probably just the smaller, like, yeah, bizarro, small, super small lineups. Uh, and like Pat's gotten, there have been occasional times where they've done that, but. Yeah, I feel like Pat just needs to get better at rebounding to be able to do that for more extended periods. This is stuff you probably get, can only do for like super short periods of time, and it, and in certain matchups, some other teams are doing that. But, um, so yeah, super small defensive focus lineup with like one of your offensive stars to kind of try to be the offensive hub would I think be my answer here. That was literally mine, which is upsetting that we overlapped on that. I would have just had Patrick <laughs> Williams, and then give me Io, Javon. I'll throw Zach Levine in there, one of your stars, like you said. And then uh, Alex Caruso, but I'd be interested to see like what just happens if we throw out the the all guard lineup. It's like right, oh, yeah. just, Mars played four; he's about to play five. Then we'll throw Zach in there, and then we'll have sure, on Alex Caruso, Io. Give me it. Um, yeah. So as we record this, their over under is set at thirty seven point five. Would you hit the over the under on that? And where do you kind of see them stacking up in the East? And I guess the easiest way to do that would be like. How many teams are you prepared right now to say are better than the Bulls? Because I think that exercise, Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, I don't know how much deeper I'm willing to go after that. Like Miami doesn't have Dame. What the fuck's going on in Philly? I'm not saying the Bulls will be better than these teams, but if I had to like stake my life on it, these teams will be better than the Bulls. I don't know if I'd go more than three or four teams deep, which again is more of a statement on how wide open I feel like the East is Right. right now. Yeah, so for the over under, I've already put one hundred fifty dollars on hit them hitting the over. So okay, that answers that. You, simply. you literally put your money where your mouth is. Yes, I did that several weeks ago. Uh, Thirty seven and a half just is so. If they go under that number this year, that's absolutely embarrassing. Like the only way that like unless like whatever, if they get there could be injuries, and then if they do blow it up, but like if they try to win and stay relatively healthy this year, and they don't get over 37 and a half, that's absolutely embarrassing. That's an absolute joke. And that's like the worst case scenario. If they go like 36 and 46, like while trying to win, because then you're just in another like mid lottery pick spot. And then like, what the hell are we even doing here? I'm fairly confident. I mean, they won 40 games last year with a lot of bad clutch luck and some weird luck at the end yeah. of games with like bad refereeing. Not saying that like that uh, absolves them of a lot of their late game problems last season, but they had they went from like having insane clutch like record luck record two years ago when tomorrow was doing this stuff to last year like the complete opposite. So like I know they also were kind of lucky injury wise last year outside of Lonzo Ball. Like Pat played I think all eighty two, Fuchs played all eighty two, Zach and Demarmo played a lot. I would could see the injury luck kind of coming back around them this year, but still thirty seven and a half is still just like. They just need to go over that with this team that they have. Like they still have some pretty good talent there. If there's any development at all, and as long as there's no like super damaging injuries, they should go over that. I put my money where my mouth is. I think they're going over. How much over do I think they'll go? And like, how do they think they stack up in the East? Me and Ricky went through. Uh, we have every year we go through 
like game by game when the schedule is released. We just go win or loss going through each game in the schedule. I think I was at 42 this year when I went through. I think I got over 40 or 40. I might have been 41 or 42. So it was like, again, that was at least that's over around 500. So I would say they could get in like the low 40s, low to mid 40s would be like, I think a reasonable scenario for them to get best case scenario, maybe mid 40s to high 40s. If like every everything goes right. Like, do I think they could win 50 if everything goes right? Eh, I just don't know if that's enough there. So then you look at the East then like, yeah, Boston, Milwaukee, even like Milwaukee might have some problems. Like you're worried about the Middleton stuff. But like, I mean, they still have Giannis. Drew's still really good. As long as it's not the play, as long as it's not playing time. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's so funny how like the stuff he does in the regular season offensively just doesn't translate. Insane, like so yeah, funny. his like his dip is really crazy. Anyways, Boston, I feel like should probably be the favorite. I don't like, trust Boston, them. Milwaukee. I think the Kristaps trade was a massive mistake, but they're going to be better than the yeah. Boston, I mean, they still should, they're still really still really good. So like those two, uh, I mean. <laughs> Philly in Miami is just like who the fuck knows right now. I would still probably, I mean, Embiid is still awesome. So like, I would still probably bet on even with our whatever happens with Harden, even if he dons his fat suit and comes in out of shape and doesn't try and like gets they trade make a terrible trade. I would still expect Philly to be better. Uh, Miami, I would probably. I mean, Miami's weird too because they had such a bad regular season. I mean, both almost beat Miami. I mean, at the they play just lost two guys who are yep. a valuable part of their right. rotation i'm assuming they get dame though that's right. just my i am too, i am as well so like i would still probably say the heat are better so what are we at boston milwaukee uh Cleveland. miami philly still probably them with four the knicks i would probably say are still a little better do i am i super confident that they're like much better probably you not be. you mentioned cleveland so cleveland yes definitely so that's five I think once you get past like those five and then probably the Knicks, then you get to that mix of like Atlanta, Toronto, the Bulls, Indiana, Orlando. Like you could tell me like Brooklyn, what are they? Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn too. I think you could tell me those teams could finish in like any order there from like whatever seven to what is that? 12 or 13. And like, yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised. I guess I'd be surprised if the Bulls finish in whatever 12th or 13, but unless like it's a situation where they, they all finish with like 38, 39 wins. And like, they're all like right around there. Cause I know like ESPN did there. Like projections, summer projections a couple weeks ago, the Bulls were like 11th with like 37 or 38 wins. And he's like, all these, and like the seventh seed was like Atlanta at like 41 or 42. Like, I think those teams are probably going to be super jumbled up. Could I see the Bulls emerging like out of the top of that group? Yes. Uh, could I see them being towards the bottom? Also, yes. Because like Indiana should be really interesting. I could see them taking a jump forward. Orlando, also interesting with all their young guys. Toronto, I would, I could see them taking a step back, especially if they trade Pascal. Uh, They're like, like, don't really believe in them after losing Fred either. Yeah, Toronto's fucked. It's over. I mean, (laughs) and then like Atlanta's such a weird team with with Trey and they got Murray back and uh, what? And they traded. You finally trade John Collins. Uh, so all those teams, I feel like are going to be super jumbled. And and Brooklyn too is also just like, I mean, my Cal's pretty dope. Cam Johnson's pretty good. Like. I feel like I thought they were going to be better than they were after those. Tra- like, obviously, you trade Katie and Kyrie, you're going to be a lot worse. But, like, I feel like they were just not nearly as good as I thought they might be. Like, their whole wing thing just like didn't. And my cat was awesome, but like they still just weren't good. And like, they were not good in that playoff series. Like, I don't, I don't really believe in them that much. But I think they'll be fine. They'll be all right. I think the, this is not help the not helped by the fact that like two games after the All Star, like I think coming out of the All Star break, the Bulls beat them by like fifty, and I was just like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? You are embarrassingly bad. Uh, but yeah, so like 
Probably five teams for sure. The Knicks, I would still probably lean as a yes. So like, but like, could could I say like the Bulls swapping up and getting maybe six instead of the Knicks? I don't think it's out of the question at least. No. Uh, is there anything else I didn't ask you or anyone else you feel like we need to discuss before I let you go? Um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe like the the Zach Levine stuff. I guess is kind of um, just his situation is just because he was kind of in, like it's interesting that we like really haven't heard Demar trade rumors. But we heard like the Zach stuff. Like they put, oh, they they're, they're looking at the market for Zach Levine, but they're holding it whatever really high, asking for as they should. I because I do think Zach is kind of underrated at this point. I get why he is just because you play in the league this long and you you've won one playoff game and one play-in game in your career. People are just gonna be like, people are just gonna be like, you're just not that good. If you can't whatever, you put up these numbers, but like your team sucks, like you're just not that good. So I get it to a degree, but like. The first years of Zach in Chicago were were a joke with the team around him, and you had Jim Boylan and all that mess. And then, like, you finally actually bring in some real players, and they were actually good. But then he hurts his knee. They won forty six games, but then he hurts his knee, and you get stomped out. And Lonzo gets hurt, and he gets stomped out by the Bucks. And then last season, like Zach started the year with a knee issue, but then like you look at the back half again. I know, like I mentioned before, like this back half of the season you can't always look at, but like Zach himself, I think the way just with the injury, like he was legitimately awesome. Like from like maybe the first month or two in, he was great. And like, I feel like people just overlooked just how insane he is efficiency, efficiency wise on high volume as a scorer. Uh, and he had an awesome game against the Raptors besides Jar DR DeRozan. It was Zach Levine who won them that game. Basically he was terrible against the heat, which is so unfortunate uh, that he was brutal. And Jimmy Butler whooped their ass in that game. Although I'm still a big Jimmy Butler guy. I love Jimmy and I, they should never have traded him, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> uh, so, like, I do think Zach's underrated at this point, and it, I'm curious just what – it does not seem like teams around the league believe in him at all because it just seems like there was no team, like, out there, like, willing to trade much for him. Uh, I don't think it's ever really been reported, like, if they any got the offers they got. Because I know, like, the Knicks of whatever. There's been the Knicks stuff out there. And, like, the Bulls are asking for – I can't remember what they were asking for. Like, a couple of draft picks, maybe a good young player. Because like I mean, you look at Zach and you look at some of his like peers. The Booker is obviously leveled up. Like Booker is better than him at this point, no doubt. Like Murray, what he did in the in like the in the on this this last championship run, like leveling up, you win a championship, like you're gonna be above him. But then like I mean like Mitchell, like Mitchell obviously has had some big playoff games, but like is like Zach and Mitchell like that different? I don't know about that. Like Mitchell's probably maybe a little better. I know he had a 70 point game against the Bulls or whatever that was. And that was super embarrassing to watch. That whole <laughs> meltdown. Was that, was that, se- that was 70, right? Did he score 73 that game? Yeah. Wasn't what it was that? that? Let me see. Donovan Mitchell drops. What? He dropped. It was 71, 71. Yeah. And that was against the Bulls. Like brutal. Uh, but like, yeah, some of these other guys, like, 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 be, like Bradley Beal as well. Like, I know Bradley Beal just got traded for absolutely nothing, but kind of a more unique situation there. So, like, right. like the Zach, the Zach, like, trade market, like, I feel like teams should be willing to trade stuff for Zach, like, like whatever, with, like, the Heat. Like, I mentioned, like, if they, like, I do think they're going to get Dame, but, like, Zach would be awesome on the Heat. Like, they would they should absolutely be willing to trade, like, close to the, like, whatever they're trading for Dame. Like, they need, they should have to trade everything for Dame if, like, it was in a just world, but, like, they should have to if they they Zach would be a great other option for them. Like Zach would be a great option for like the Sixers if they want to try to replace Harden. Uh like Zach should be wanted by a lot of teams, but it just doesn't seem like there's that much interest in him, or at least just not that much interest to what tr- give up a lot for him. And like the contract, he's whatever, five years, 215 million. The that's way fine. the cap is going up, that's not that bad. Uh and I know it's not bad. Whatever, 
Yeah. People. It's, it doesn't even, you need to say that. It's not bad. It's yeah, just, that's, right. That's like, a contract. He's like, a great <laughs> score. He's a, whatever, an all-star caliber player. He's, and with the cap going up and we're seeing Jalen Brown, uh, I mean, even that, like that comparison, like Zach versus Jalen Brown, like Jalen Brown's now making five, has a five-year, three hundred million contract. Zach's five two fifteen, and like Zach is probably right there as a player, like a similar tier at least. Maybe maybe Jalen's a little better. Just obviously, the team success helps there with them. So like, so I think Zach is is underrated at this point. And like, I feel you, I feel like you see like some player rankings out there, and just like, and Zach's just like, uh, like not that high. And I'm just like. I mean, I get again, I get it to a degree just because the Bulls have not won. He's not a top dog. He still makes too many mistakes, like in crunch time. Like, I don't always really trust him with the ball in his hands. Like they brought in DeMar to like to be more of the adult in the room and in, in the room in crunch time. Because Zach sometimes goes bozo mode in crunch time. But again, not being a number one like alpha guy. Like that's it happens. Whatever. Not everyone's like that guy. He's not DeMar he's not, uh, in those situations. He's not, he's not as good as Jimmy Butler. But he's still a really damn good player, and like the contract is is fine now with with the way the cap is going up. So like, I am just curious, like if the, if things do go bad this year for the Bulls and they do look to blow things up, like, and they put Zach on the block again, I'm curious to see like what teams will offer for him because I feel like good teams, uh, if you're looking for an upgrade and a guy to be like your number two or number three guy, should be willing to offer a decent amount. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like the appetite is out there to make a big offer and. If that's the case, like the Bulls should not trade him. They should not just dump him to dump him to get off his salary. Because there was also like another talking point I saw like on NBA Twitter this year. Oh, they just need to get rid of Zach's contract and like be and whatever. They could take like a first round pick for him and like salary relief. Like, no, what is that going to how is that gonna help you right. at all? Like try even, whatever if you like try to tank, like you could tank with Zach Levine on the team because like he's just not a number one guy. He doesn't like he's not gonna like raise your he doesn't really raise, I guess, the whatever the floor much but i feel like you can raise your ceiling if you have the right the right guys around i, I don't think i might have totally said that wrong but like no that's a good way to put it yeah i think like, if you ultimately make like the number two or the number three guy yeah. he's gonna raise your ceiling yeah and like t you need good number twos and number threes to win championships and like zach could be a really valuable one for a lot of teams um but again like i and, and i do wonder if the trade market is kind of is if it's kind of coming back now because we had such ridiculous trades with with KD and with Rudy Gobert and like Mitch, the Mitchell was a lot, the Dejounte Murray, like the, that's another one I always look at. Like, was who the Hawks gave up what three firsts to get him or something like that? They gave up a lot from it. And Drew Holiday back in the day was a lot too. But like, I do wonder if teams are now like not as willing to maybe make those kinds of trade offers for not a top, top flat guy. Like, at KD, you get it. Um, so like maybe they're just like Zach, they see Zach and like they see a good, but really good, but flawed player. And it's like, we're not going to we're not going to go all in with like all our draft picks here and make this type of trade. And like, if teams aren't willing to do it, like the bulls should just keep him and kind of see where things go with them. Jason, this was great. As per usual, you're able to just tell our listeners where they can find you and all the great work that you do. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned before, Twitter or the place formerly known as, known as Twitter, whatever you want to call it. I don't like calling it X screw that. You could follow me at bulls underscore J um, mentioned my, my podcast cash considerations, a Chicago bulls podcast. That's with my co-host Ricky O'Donnell. We usually have episodes at least once a week when the season starts up, we try to do it a little bit more, but at least once a week weekly, we'll probably have a new pod coming up here later this week as well. In addition to this, uh, and then I uh, mentioned I'm in the matching editor at Clutch Points. Don't do much writing myself there, uh, but we cover everything over there. There'll be tons of NBA coverage. Uh, if you don't know Clutch Points, uh, we have crazy images, but we also do a lot of editorial content, a lot of great social content at Clutch Points. We also do a lot of editorial content as well, so go check that out too. Um, that's basically it. 
thank you so much for having me again. It's always a pleasure. I always loved uh, coming on to talk bulls. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much for coming back on it. As you know by now, I will be pestering you again in the future. <laughs> Love it.